0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: What the promised land represents to you and I as a New Testament believer is this. Just like God was telling them there's this land that's a blessing and of plenty that I want to bring you into. For the New Testament, some people think that the promised land is heaven, but it's not heaven. Uh, because you don't, there's no wars in heaven. They got wars in the promised land. The New Testament parallel to the promised land is the spirit-filled life. That God is wanting to bring believers into a life that God says, I I came to give you life and that more abundantly.
0: Chances are you've drawn a few connections between the promised land of Israel and the promise of heaven to believers. While there definitely are some contrasts, it's important that we don't go overboard with the metaphor as believers in Christ. As Pastor Bill would teach you in his message today, the promised land still had wars, famines, and other events contrary to the nature of heaven. In his study, you'll learn that the promised land for the believer is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 21 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Well, you guys that are following along as we're making our way through the book of Numbers, Last week, uh, we covered chapter twenty, and uh, we saw kind of a, a real disappointment. Moses, after all these years of planning to go into the the promised land and lead the people in, uh, he messed up. He got angry and misrepresented the Lord. We talked about that picture, that type as the Lord. The Lord told him to speak to the rock, and he struck it twice. And uh, we talked about how the rock was only to be struck the one time because the rock represented Christ and. Um, God said, man, you've you misrepresented me to the people. You, you, you're angry with them. I'm not angry with them. And so God told Moses he would not be able to go in to the promised land. And as we pick it in, we had death. We had the death of Miriam, the death of Aaron. So uh, last week we had four kind of down situations. Today, this is not going to be a whole lot better. But, uh, <laughs> chapter 21, excuse me. This this first part of Numbers 21, um, we're going to see the Israelites, they, they finally kind of make their direction toward the promised land. At this point, they've been going 38 years and they aren't in the promised land yet. Because it's been so long, I want to bring us back and remind us what the promised land represented to them and what it means to us. What's the New Testament parallel? So for them, the promised land was this land that flowed with milk and honey, divine provision. It was going to be a land that was just rich in provision and just a land of blessing a land of plenty that God desired to bring them into um, in order for them to get into this land they would have to walk by faith and obedience the reason that they're not in the land is because when God told them to go they wouldn't go they were afraid they saw the giants they didn't trust God so they didn't get to enter in that land is still there but they don't get to enter in and remember God came to a point where he told them you know what guys Everybody 20 and older, you guys are going to die in the wilderness. Y'all can't go. Your kid's going to have an opportunity, but for you guys that are 20 and older, y'all going to die in the wilderness. When that generation is gone, we're we're now with the kids. We're with that second generation that have the, the opportunity to go in. What we saw last week was that these kids are making the same complaints that their parents were making. And so we saw that the parents have passed down their bad attitude, their unbelief, and uh, their, their negative disposition towards leadership. They have passed it right on down to their kids because now their kids are mimicking everything that their parents had said. And so um, we're going to see more of that in this chapter. So look at chapter 21, verse 1. It says, the king of Arad." I'm sorry, I, 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 was, I, I forgot before I go to that. So, so with the new, with the, what the promised land represents to you and I as a New Testament believer is this. Just like God was telling them there's this land that's a blessing and a plenty that I want to bring you into for the New Testament. Some people think that the promised land is heaven, but it's not heaven uh, because, you don't. there's no wars in heaven. They got wars in the promised land. The New Testament parallel to the promised land is the spirit filled life that God is wanting to bring believers into a life that the God says, I, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. I want you to have a life that's rich in me where all your needs are met by me, where you are filled to the point of overflow with me, with my spirit. Just like some of them wouldn't believe, wouldn't obey and wouldn't enjoy. New Testament saints, there are people that won't obey, won't believe. So they don't enjoy the spirit filled life. it's available to you and to me, just like the promised land was available to them. And so we don't want to be those that don't enter in. Amen. We want everything God has for us. We want to make sure that we get it. So so these things are written, and this is the timing. I couldn't have set this up any better, but the timing of this, right, is we're going to study this next, this coming up Sunday in 1 Corinthians 10. He points right back to this. It just happened like two weeks ago. This week in chapter 10, he points back here and says, hey, this, this stuff right here was written for your learning. I wrote this stuff down. I don't write the errors of them so you guys could poke fun at them. I wrote this stuff so you wouldn't repeat their mistakes. I want you to learn from it. And so this is where God has us as a body. So I want us to listen up. So now, verse one, the king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Atharim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So I want to point this out to you guys that they finally start making some steps in the direction of where God wanted them to go, to the promised land. And what happens as soon as they get moving in the right direction, the enemy shows up. Soon as they get moving in a positive direction, soon as, I mean, they just, they're just getting going where God wants them to go. They're doing the right thing for once. They're moving in that direction. As soon as they do, it says, the Canaanite king, Araf, heard, heard they were coming and he went out against them. He went out to fight against him he went out to we're gonna see He came out to imprison some and discourage some what can we take from that some of us have experienced this god ministers you he speaks to you when you, you you get committed to a right direction finally you, you maybe take a few steps in the right direction finally and as soon as you get on that road just out of nowhere the battle jumps off things come unglued stuff just the enemy comes against you however the enemy comes you know we're all different so the enemy comes against me in ways that are probably different than how he comes against you. But we got the same enemy and he comes against us. And so whatever gets you going, whatever messes you up, whatever causes you to become discouraged, um, those things will come up. I want you to note that he made them prisoners. And I would just warn us that some of us, before we came to Christ, we were imprisoned to certain areas of sin. We were in bondage. And as you get rolling with the Lord, don't be surprised if the enemy doesn't come with some of those things, and hey, remember this? Some of that old stuff that used to be locked up by, used to be in bondage by. Be be aware of that. Because even though I'm a new creation, right? I'm on the inside, I'm new, I still live in an old flesh. And so the, the new part of me is moving in a new direction and has a new, a new master. But my old man is saying, Hey, hey, I still like that. Do you still live in your flesh? If you used to be a, if you used to have a foul mouth, I guarantee you that foul mouth is in there. It's still in there. You Some of y'all know it. Some of y'all are like, I know. It's just It happens, you know. Some of y'all, it's, it's closer to the surface than it ought to be, but it's still in there, you know. If you were a fighter, you know, you may be doing really good and, you know, praising God and everything else, but you know down in there, if you had a bad day and you let it go all the way bad, that that fighter is up in there. And so we're all different, right? I got my junk. You got your junk. Don't let the enemy bring you back into bondage. Where God has set you free, don't let him. Right, the, the believer can only be brought back into bondage by acquiescing to the enemy. I, I have to give way. Satan can't. He can't. Satan can't reach up and grab me and do something to me. I gotta. I gotta run down one of his roads. I gotta go into one of his traps. I gotta. He can lure you, but I gotta. I gotta cooperate with the enemy in order for him to bring me into bondage. Paul told Timothy. A soldier in God's armies, a good soldier does not entangle himself again in the affairs of this life. Don't worry about this junk that's going on in this world. We got a new master. We're in the Lord's army. We don't want to be entangled again in these things. And so these guys get going in the right direction and the enemy, as soon as he heard about it, he comes out against him. It reminded me of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was stirred up and had the passion and vision to go and rebuild the wall. And it said as soon as the, the enemies heard that he was, they, as soon as they heard that someone was thinking about rebuilding the wall, they, they came on down to bring the discouragement. And so the, the, the Bible says about the enemy that we're not ignorant of his devices. So when you get going good with the Lord, don't be shocked. Something discouraging happens, the kids start messing up, something out of your power goes on, the enemy's trying to lure you back into some mess that you used to be into. You want to be on guard, you want to be alert because you're you're at war. We're all at war. For them to get into the promised land, it's going to be war. They're going to battle for it. For you and I to enjoy and walk in the spirit-filled life, you're going to have to battle for it. You're going to battle your flesh. You're going to battle with the enemy. You're going to battle for it, but this is the cool thing for the believer you commit to the battle, but who does the fighting? God does the fighting for us. I just gotta, I'm, I gotta agree with God that no, we're gonna fight this. I'm not, I'm not gonna submit to the enemy. I'm not gonna submit to my flesh. I'm postured up to do war, but God will be the one to fight for you, right? Don't give in to the enemy. Don't let him have his way in your life. And so, moving on, look at, look at verse two. It says, So Israel made a vow. Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy the cities. Now, you know, Israel basically is, this discouragement causes them to pray. Um, the enemy coming out against them causes them to cry out to the Lord. And this is what they do. They make a vow. They say, God, you know what? If, if you will deliver this people into our hands, then we will utterly destroy their city. This is what they're saying. Usually if the enemies are delivered into your hands and you go in and get the victory, you take spoils. Israel is saying, God is not about the stuff. Right. We don't want the stuff. We just want these enemies wiped out. Would you give us our enemies? And I do believe that there are times where God wants to bring us to a place where our motives are pure, where, where God I don't want victory. So that, you know, I, I hate when people are, you know, I'm, I'm going to really work on this part of my walk with God so that. Like, if I do this, God will bless me over here. If I do this, then maybe God will get me that or he'll make this thing work out or I'll get that job I want or he'll make this other thing work out. And it's like, no, no, no. God's already done the biggest thing could ever be done for you and for me. He died for you. So we're not making deals. We're not saying, God, if you do this, then I'll do that for you. You know, it's like, God, because you've already done that for me, I I, I help me. Help me to have victory. I want to walk with you. I want to honor you with my life. Um, Anything else is cherry on top. But I want to honor you because you've already died for me. What Israel is saying here is God is not about the stuff, right? These Canaanite enemies, you want them wiped out anyway. They're, They're not just, the enemies of Israel were the enemies of God. So it's kind of different from our context because you could have people that are your enemies and God loves them. But at this era, Old Testament, the wars were different, right? The Canaanites were enemies to Israel because they were enemies to God, because they hate God. They hate God's people. Right, we no longer New Testament. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. You guys can't be my enemies. Um, you guys, you might, you may be adversarial towards me, but my enemies are invisible, and so I can't get caught up boxing with you like you my enemy. My enemies are un, they're invisible. Now the enemy may work through people that I can see and touch and hear, but my enemy is invisible, and so we got to be reminded of that. And we we'll be talking about that more in our study in Corinthians, but. They they vow to God and, and something I noted is that sometimes God will use our times of crisis to bring us to a place where we're looking to him again. You know, God will use the, the times of crisis to cause us to want what he wants. There'll be people that they're, when things are going good, their minds are just not on the things that matter to God. But let someone, let let, let let tragedy come and then all the things that really matter come to the surface. It's amazing how there'll be relationships that are that are, that are broken and messed up. But let someone be on, on a hospital bed. You're gonna go fix that relationship. You know, there, there have been people that I know that their parents, their parents, that have been estranged from their parents, haven't spoken to their parents, parent falls sick. And it's like, okay, that, that you realize in that moment it just doesn't matter that much. I need to go get right. I need to go have that conversation. I need to go, I need to go show my love to my parent, you know? And it's amazing how just in a time of crisis, your mind gets back right where it needs to be. And so many times God will use times of crisis, times of difficulty to help us to, you know, get our minds back where they need to be. And so unfortunately, I wish that in times of, of plenty, it's not impossible, but for a lot of people in the times of plenty, when things are going great, you know, it's, it's that's when the Lord gets left out. That's when the Lord gets forgotten by many, not everybody, but by many. And so in times of difficulty and God humbles us, brings us very low and has us looking up. And so at this point, they're praying, right prayers. They're saying, God, we don't even want the stuff. Could you just deliver them into our hands? Because they took some of our, our people captive. Now, this is also important. It's not about them either. They're interceding for their brethren that have been taken prisoners. Um, they're, they're not content to just let them be left there. They're saying, man, God, they, they just took a part of us prisoner. And we care enough. Can you please deliver them? We, we want to go get our people back. We're concerned about the people, not the stuff. And that's what happens when you get your mind right with the Lord, you start caring about the right stuff. I care about people more than I care about stuff. As I look at this, you know, I'm looking at a group that's, they're gonna, as wonderful as this is, and God's gonna grant them this petition, in just a few verses, they're gonna do the other stuff again. You know, and it just, it reminds me of of just human nature. You know, that this at this moment right here, right on. You know, a little bit of pressure, we want what God wants. You know, we want to get our people back. And they're praying to God and they're praying a prayer that God, God would honor. And so, you know, it's been said, you know, we, we, I, you know, there's, there's some people that believe that, you know, you can, if you ask for anything with enough faith, God will give it to you. Is that true? Is that true? Family? No, it's not true. Um, that's a, that's a popular teaching uh, in the church. You know, you just, you know, if you just have enough faith, you just believe God for everything. You can't believe, you can't just, God is not a genie. Right. Because check this out. If you could just if if, if whatever I wanted, I could just believe hard enough for guess who becomes God in that 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 thing. I become God. What the Lord becomes is a medium for me to get what I want. But I'm God. I'm deciding what I want, what would be best and when I should have it. And I'm just believing for it and I'm getting it. That's that's all messed up. Where the Bible teaches what I'm what you know. Now, when I do pray according to his word. Right. We know that the Bible teaches if I pray anything according to his will. I know I have the things that I ask for. I know that he hears me. If you're writing notes, write down 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read it to us real quick. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And this is where the word becomes an important part of your prayer life. As you study the word, you know what God wants. And so when you ask God for what he wants, you know you have it. Done deal. guys. I'll do that. I want that. They know God wants the Canaanites removed. Um, They they know God doesn't want his people in bondage. And so they intercede. They pray a prayer that's in line with what God would want, and God does it for them. Um, I would just encourage you in your prayer life that you would consider how you pray, what are the things you're praying about, what are the things you're asking God for, be careful that you're not learning how to pray from these people on TV that are telling you to just believe God for this, that, and the other, and um, it's almost like spiritual materialism, what you see on TV, um, everything that you believe believing God for things and stuff, what about some souls, right, If I'm going to believe God for something, I want to believe God. I know some people that's going to hell right now. I know some people that souls are lost. If I'm going to expend energy, you know, in prayer and believing God by faith for something, why not something that matters to God, right? When I pray for a soul, when I pray for a lost person and God hears that prayer, God's like, that's what I want too. Evidence by my death on the cross, I want that too. I want that person saved. I want them to know me. I know I'm praying in concert with the will of God. I know the thing I'm asking is the thing that God would want to do and and I can pray that full of faith God I'm praying that you would just work work with me show me what I can do Lord give me the words to say when I'm around this person I pray when I'm not there that you would bind the enemy that you would send other people with the right message on their lips to speak to them But I'm praying for a soul that you died for and they don't see that they don't see it right now Um, Be careful that you're not wasting your privilege of prayer Asking for stuff You know we sometimes we need stuff he said, "You can, you know, you can ask him for your daily bread and stuff like that, but make sure that's not it. That make sure that's not the strength of your prayer life. If you took out your prayer list it's like a Christmas list from a kid, I want one of those and two of them. You know, make sure that's not what your prayer life looked like." So, so moving on, they pray, and it says that, that um look at verse three, and the Lord listened to their to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them. And their cities, so the name of that place was called Horma. And so God heard their prayer. God answered it. God granted them their petition, and they utterly destroyed <coughs> the Canaanites. And it says that the name of the place was called Horma. If you're writing uh, notes, that that word Horma it means utter destruction. That means they just got wiped out. God wiped. I mean, God. God wiped them out, and uh, we believe that the prisoners that had been taken were brought back. And they were able to get moving from there. Now, this is interesting to me, too. First, the enemy shows up as they're getting ready to move in the right direction. And the enemy shows up. Now we're going to see how they end up getting discouraged. And anybody here that's dealt with discouragement, I want you to pay attention right now, because how we deal with discouragement, it can make a critical difference in the outcome. Everybody here is going to be discouraged at times. But but we got to learn how to deal with it. That There are things that happen that are just discouraging. If you walk out to the, the you know, you're getting ready to go do what you got to do for day. You walk out in the car, tire's flat. That's just, that's, that's just kind of a bummer. That's discouraging. I was trying to do what I was supposed to do. There are things that can just kind of deflate your tires and let the air out of your cell. Uh, for me, there are things that something happens with my kids. That's just, that's just, a, it's a, they can become a real discouragement at times. And so, When things happen that are discouraging, um, you got a few options. I'm going to tell you right up front what not to do. Uh, When something discouraging happens, you don't want to just look at it. And then just, just go ahead and dive into the, the pool of discouragement. I can't believe this happened to me. This happened to me. I'm so good. I've been doing That's If you go in, if you go down that road, there's no upside. You know, just, woe is me. I was doing so good. I was so vain. I was praying. I did devotions today even. And then he still let that happen to me. And that's where people get into a pity party because this is what happens. That tone of that complaint, who are you complaining against? God's not fair. What you're saying. So that's what I'm saying. What you're saying when we do that. Saying God's not fair. God, I've done my part and you didn't do yours. God, that's not fair. That's, that's what it begins to sound like. But but is God fair? So we so when we when I when I buy into that, and I some some of us won't voice it, but we'll think it. Some people will think it and voice it. Um, but it doesn't matter if I voice it or think it, because God sees my thoughts, right? So I just gotta be careful about what I do when I'm discouraged. So that's what you don't want to do. Let's look at verse four. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. If you guys remember last week, they came to the Edomites and said, Hey guys, can we cut through here? Um, you know, the Edomites said, No, y'all can't cut, y'all cut through here. We'll jack y'all up, but you can't come through here. And so now they're having to go the long way around. They got to go all the way around because Edom said, We'll jack y'all up. Y'all come through here. Now I wonder why they didn't pray that God would let them jack up the Edomites. I don't know, but you know, they're going around the long way around Edom and Excuse me, as a result, it says, um, then they journeyed from Mount Hor to by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. It says, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. So, as they're going the long way all the way around, because the Edomites told them, if y'all come this way, we're going to beat you up, they're discouraged. Um, maybe because now, you know, again, they're walking, there's a large company of them, and this is what I believe is happening. I believe that when I know I'm a child of God and I know I'm supposed to be walking in victory and I know that I know some things that are supposed to be and I'm walking all the way around because I'm scared to go through the middle because they said if we go through here, you know, we will get you guys. We'll come to war with you. that that's a dis. I mean, I could just, I could just see. I mean, I don't know if anybody here have ever been you know been you bullied when you were a kid, and so you you tried to go a different way to avoid somebody that was looking for you. That that you, you can't feel encouraged, you know, going the long way, hoping that they don't catch you or don't see you. This is a whole company of people. This is a whole nation of people that are walking around the long way, hoping that they don't get got by these people. That's discouraging. They should be walking in victory. They should be they should be able to just trek right on through there wherever they wanted to. And I believe they could have. I believe they could have sought the Lord for that. I believe they could have they could have cried out to God for that. But in this instance here, they're just going along the long way and they're discouraged. Maybe God has you in some scenario where you're having to go the long way and it's discouraging. You're getting impatient. This is the thing. Even though they were going the long way, they were going the the wrong. They were going the long way to the right direction. They were still making their way toward the promised land, even if it had to be the, the long way. If God let it be this way for them and they had to go ahead and go around, then at least they were still making progress. They were still moving in the right direction, but they got discouraged along the way. And that happens a lot of times. There are people that, that there's something God's doing and there's little evidence that it's happening, but God is taking too long. Anybody here feel like God took too long? Do something for you? Um, a lot of people, you know, God, in their, in their estimation, taking too long.
0: You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. As we study through the book of Numbers, do you relate to how the people wanted to rebel, complain, and doubt what God's doing? Throughout this book, it's easy to pick up on a theme that God doesn't look kindly at a rebellious spirit or behavior. However, he corrects the people in a way that causes them to come back to him with the right kind of heart. The lessons that he taught them are the same ones he teaches you today. He wants you to live fully for him, not just say one thing and do another. This means not going about your ministry complaining about the things that bother you. God wants you to be overflowing with gratitude for what he's doing in your life and to look back at the struggles and recognize that he was the one who got you through. Are you enjoying these things that you're gaining from the book of Numbers? Today's message is available to listen to again on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. Once you're there, just click on the teachings tab. Otherwise, feel free to download our mobile app to listen to more messages like this. Just search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of A Transforming Word.